0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Um, and it's Alini, my wife. Um, I don't say that about Christian. Uh, funnily enough, <laughs> poor guy, he's not here to defend himself. Um, my beautiful wife is going to share, and she's got a wonderful story that is on her heart. Just getting getting to know a little bit more about her and what God's done in her life. So, come on up, Alini. <laughs> He's definitely gonna get some husband points for that. Thank you, Stephen. I'm so honored to be here to be able to share my testimony. I didn't realize how actually short I am. <laughs> I know I'm short, but wow, this is a bit too much. Um, I'm so honored to be able to share my testimony with you guys this morning. It's such a blessing to be able to just share what God has done in my life. I'm so honored. So um, not just for you guys to get to know me a bit better, but also for me to give glory to God, isn't it? That's what it's all about in our lives. Um, I just wanted to pray for us before I share my testimony. Shall we close our eyes? Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, that you've given me this opportunity, Lord, to come and share my testimony, my story before your people, God. And I pray, Lord, that we as your church will listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. I pray that you will guide me to say the right things, Jesus, that will not be my words, but your Holy Spirit speaking through me. God, see you at church this morning. Lord, we bless you, Lord. We don't want to leave here unchanged. We want to leave this place impacted by you, God. Speak to us, Lord, whatever it is, little or big. God, we want to cha- be changed, Lord. We want to leave this place changed and impacted by you. So, God, we, we pray that you will guide me to say the right things in Jesus' name. Amen. I um, I do believe that like our testimonies are such a blessing to God. He it's such a precious thing to, to God. So I believe that all of us are called we have gone through things in our lives for a reason, for a purpose, that God has allowed us to go through these things so that we can bless other people and we can tell other people. I didn't even actually realize that we that we were sending our stories to the church. Um, when I was preparing, and God actually placed that in my heart that we are to write down our stories and be ready for Him to use it. Um, because there's a reason why we go through it. We wouldn't actually go through things if it wasn't in with a purpose, you know? Um, so I do really encourage you to write your testimonies down, because God is going to use it. And watch Him do it. Um, watch Him send the right people in your lives to to, for you to speak these things, you know. Um, the Bible talks about in Revelations 12, 11, that our testimony is a weapon against the enemy, a weapon against our accuser. Um, it says that we are, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that just means that we overcome by Accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and what He's done for us in the cross, but also that we testify that He is good, that He is who He said He is, and that He's gonna do what He said He said in His word that He was gonna do, so that the word is true. Um, I wanted to give you a little background of my family. Stephen's family is completely different from mine. Um, but for those of you that don't know, my name is Aline Robbins. Aline Mesquita Cardoso Robbins, and I'm from Brazil, and I was born in Rio de Janeiro. Um, my town is just across from the bay. You look out across from the bay, and you see um, the, the Christ, you know, the Christ, the Redeemer. So we get the best view. <laughs> um, So I've got two brothers, one a smaller, a a younger brother, and an older brother, and who live with, uh, not with my mom and dad, but in Brazil as well as my mom and dad. Um, So as I was saying, Stephen's family is completely different from mine. He comes from, pastor generation of you know a generation of pastors um mine doesn't really um my from my dad's side uh dad was um my grandfather was an atheist what i don't actually remember if he's if if he actually believed in in a god um i don't remember him saying that he's from a christian or or, or any other type of religion background. I just remember he didn't really believe in God and um, my grandmother, on the other hand she was macumbeira uh, is what we call it which is an Afro Brazilian witchcraft and she came from that background and um, so that's from my dad's side and my mom's side. My grandmother was a devoted Catholic and um, and my grandfather, he was a um, uh, macumbeiro even more. So he was a priest of you know voodoo, um, an Afro-Brazilian voodoo. He was a priest and he had his center. Um, and um, so that's my family for you. <laughs> uh, my mom got saved... And she actually took us to church. So she took my brother and I. My dad came occasionally. Um, he didn't really... He still to this day isn't really a Christian. So um, he came occasionally with us. So when I was about nine years old, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I decided that um, I wanted, sorry, I'll come here to say hi, um, I decided that I wanted to, to get baptized, so I was baptized at about, when I was about 10 years old, um, and then we, as a family, wanted to go to America, so when I was about 10, I would say, we went, we moved to America, we went to Boston, we still kept on going to church um, there, and um, but I remember when I was about sixteen, I started seeing my friends drinking, not the friends from church, but the friends outside of church, um, and I thought, hmm, I think I like to try that, and, um, and so when I was about seventeen, my parents decided to move back to Brazil, so I was really happy, and I said, you know what, I'm not gonna go to church i'm not gonna be make friends with church people i'm just gonna have a wild life. and i wanted to party and started drinking and i started smoking and i just started living that party lifestyle when i was 17 when we moved um and then um after that i was i didn't go to church I decided I wouldn't go to church, and, um, but I do remember being, as I call it now, the Holy Spirit convicting me. I didn't know that that was the Holy Spirit's work in my life, but I know now that the Holy Spirit's convicting me. So I remember going to a party at a friend's house, and I came already drunk. So um, when I was about to knock and she was a Catholic and it said on she had this sign on her on her uh, door said the lord is the Jesus is the lord of this house and immediately I got convicted I thought ah oh, what am i doing with my life but then next day came and everything just went back to how it was and i just continued living that lifestyle partying and drinking and being so cool and i was all cool and um and and i actually really enjoyed that life but there was something missing it was i knew that i was doing something wrong so um i remember i got introduced to pot so i started smoking pot that's uh, marijuana or weed for those that don't really know what that is um And I remember I had really quite dark visions. So I would see, um, I would see like demons and and spirits lurking in the trees and looking out for me. And I remember I had every time, so I smoked three, and then on my fourth time, and I kept on doing, right? I should have said uh, no. I'll stop right here, um, but I just kept on doing it, and and I remember this this time. It was I just smoked so much that as uh, I had what we call teto preto. Teto preto is like you hit a back ceiling, is what we call it, um, which means that I overdosed in part, if you can explain it that way. Um, and I remember. I remember f- having this fear, this fear in me, and I couldn't move, and I was in this black, black, dark room, and all I could hear was, yes, I have you, and you belong to me. You're mine now, and ha, 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 you're mine now. You belong to me. And I knew that that was the devil, and I knew in my heart and that I, that was the enemy laughing at me and then all of a sudden I felt the strength and I said no I have free will and I choose Jesus and I choose Jesus and I kept saying I choose Jesus and I choose Jesus and I choose Jesus and I remember I woke up from that um and although I kind of continued my lifestyle i um, it was right after that that I came to, or went to a winters party up in a beautiful island because I was already scheduled to do it so um, i it was a beautiful island, so we went out and um, everyone started drinking and partying and it was like it was like um all I could explain was like. It was in slow motion, everyone drinking and partying and doing what they do. And I had a cigarette in my hand, and I remember I just knelt down on the sand, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I, I, just, need, I just need you to do something. God, I need you. I need to be a proper Christian. A proper Christian. I have no idea why I use that word, but I did. So I called them and the Lord, and I said, God, I-, I want to be a proper Christian. So I got up from there, and um, and I knew that my aunt was coming from America, from Florida, and she's a Christian lady. And um, she was bringing, um, she was coming to, from America to kind of visit us. And as I got to our house, I traveled back home and I got home and, um, when I saw, I just saw them all, um, you know, from, from, from the window, I, um, they were all standing up and it looked like they were all talking. That's my mom and dad and my aunt and and my brothers and stuff. And when I came in, she had brought a pastor, Assemblies of God pastor, to come and pray for our family. And um, and as we started praying, well, I didn't do so much praying, but um, he did. And um, he started prophesying over me. I've never experienced that before. And he said, you think that you are the black sheep of the family, but you're not. You are the pillar of your house. And I do want you to go, and I do want you to be a proper Christian. I want you to go to America. And I do say yes to you. And I was bursting out crying because obviously I never even thought that I'd never even experienced prophecies before, and I never knew that God could speak to me that way. Um, so I remember getting up from there. Straightened to my room packed my bags. I said to my mom and dad can I go and obviously they were there and they said yes um but I wanted to say bye to my friends. So I said, Mom, I don't want to go with my aunt because she's gone in a couple of weeks. Can I please stay? And, and so my mom said, well, no, because I don't want you to go by yourself. So I said, well, God, you have to do something if you want me to go. So then I phoned up all my friends to say goodbye. And one of my friends said to me, hey, guess what? I'm going too. I'm going to Florida, I'm going to Miami, I'm going to Boca Raton, exactly the same places that I was going. So guess what? God provided a way, and I went with her. Um, I remember when I got there, It was my, I had smoked my last cigarette in the airport, and when I got there, I've never touched a cigarette and never got drunk, and all of that, that I used to do, God really changed my life, when I believe, when I said yes to God, that He just came in, and changed me, and I remember that, I remember when I got there, I was only 20, and I remember I got there, and I, I started seeking God, and I wanted more of God, and I was so thirsty, and hungry for God, and we were It was a huge church. It was thousands of people. So um, I remember I remember just praying and, and worshiping God and all of a sudden I started speaking in these tongues that I couldn't understand what they were. and I was being baptized with the Holy Spirit. and, um, and so God just took me on a growth, you know, a spiritual growth. and um, I started um, praying for my husband. And um, and then um, I remember um, God in another service. God just picked me out, like, "Hey, you with with the white shirt," and I was wearing a red shirt. And I kind of like looked me, and then the lady said, "Yes, you. God is saying to you that you, I'm gonna give you your husband, and you're called." For many nations, you're not just called to one nation. You've got a many nations calling, and I'm going to send you out, and you and your husband are going to be missionaries. And he's not just going to be, um, you guys are not just going to be missions. He's going to be a pastor. Um, and so I started fasting for my husband and then I met Stephen and and then I really needed to fast for him because he wasn't going to my church and I wanted him to come to my church right that's what you do you fast that he would come to me right so um so I fasted for him and uh, he was from a Baptist background as well so I really wanted him to you know because I was in a Pentecostal church so um I really fasted for him, and we met, and um, we met, and, and we dated, and then a year later, we got married, and God um, closed the doors for us in the States, and we moved to Brazil, and we, we went to Brazil, and we helped a church there in Brazil, and it was an incredible time for us because we grew up, kind of we grew spiritually together. In a, in a deeper way, because in Brazil, there was a lot of like witchcraft and a lot of um, demon possession. So our church prayed a lot for people to get um, saved and, and, you know, set free from everything that they were in. So um, it was a great experience for us. We, we grew so much spiritually. I mean, we were newlyweds. We were just six months uh, married. So then, uh, it was an amazing time. Stephen has amazing testimonies of how he was preaching by the end. He was preaching in Portuguese um, by the end of a year and a half. That's that's not long enough to kind of... Well, I don't think it's long enough to to learn a language that well to, to, to preach. So, um, and but God also decided that, you know, we needed to move. So we moved to, Mar- to Scotland and about... I would say about three years, three years that we were there, I, I was sleeping, and when I woke up in the morning, I couldn't see, and I said, Stephen, there's something wrong with my eye, I can't see, I can't see, like I can't see, I can just see the peripheral, so then we had friends coming over so we didn't really it was a weekend we couldn't really go to the GP to check what it was and we're going to the mall and I thought okay we'll just stop at the optician to kind of see more or less like if there's anything in my eye I just thought there's something in my eye and I couldn't see properly so as you do right um so then I I went to went to the optician and she said to me hold on a 2nd you actually need to go to a specialist. Um, this is a bit serious. So she actually referred me to the specialist. And I went to the specialist the next week. Um, and she and the guy specialist said to me, this is optical neuritis. Optical neuritis is, um, is quite da- not dangerous, but it's quite an aggressive um disease or whatever and he said to me said to us um you might never see again it'll probably not heal back so either how you're seeing now as much as you see now is probably what's gonna be um or it's all gonna go so then uh, we went to the car and I burst out crying because I thought hold on a second God, I'm only 28, I don't want to, to be blind, I want to have kids, I want to have a life, and you know, so then um, came the other week, obviously I was at a, a week basis seeing the, the specialist, so I got to the next specialist, um, and he said, and by this time my arm started, wo- stopped working. So I said, oh no, man, I think I pulled a muscle, like I pulled a muscle here and I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't move my arm. So um, I got there and Stephen was kind of helping me and having to brush my hair and I was kind of getting irritated because I wanted my hair. No, I'm kidding. Um, So we got there and I said to the, the specialist, I said, you know, I went home and I Googled what optical neuritis is, and it says that it's the first symptom of MS, of uh, multiple sclerosis. So is it possible that we can have like an MRI so we can check, you know, if it is or not? And he said, oh, I'm an eye specialist. I'm not an, uh, um, a neurologist. So it was a miracle because he just went and did the MRI, and he said, I can't really, right there and there, so, and he said, but I can't really see what it means because a neurologist has to see it. So, he sent me away and next week came and I saw another lady and she said, the specialist, the eye specialist, And she said, she was checking my eyes and she said, did you notice that you've got your face drooped? Like it's drooping. So, I said, no, I don't. But then obviously you start to notice it. So, by, and that was it. And then by the weekend, that was a Wednesday, by the weekend, I couldn't swallow properly. And I stopped kind of swallowing. And I had a patch on my eye because I, I couldn't see. So it was giving me a bit of an a imbalance and dizziness and stuff. So I had a patch on my eye. Couldn't, all droopy. My arm wasn't working. I couldn't swallow properly. Drinking with, you know, a straw and I said, Stephen, I can't do this anymore. Please, should we just go to the doctor? Let's just go to the hospital. And this was the weekend, so we got to the hospital, and the doctor said, "No, you're staying. That's you. You're gonna stay." So I stayed the whole week there, uh, getting at. They sent me. They didn't know what it was, and they couldn't diagnose. So they went. I went straight to the um, the stroke unit, and I stayed there. And then I thought. Wow! What's happening, God? What's happening with my life? I I, uh, I wasn't expecting this, so um, I waited for the neurologist came to see me, and um, and he said this is very likely to be multiple sclerosis that you have, and obviously I started crying. And what is going to happen to me, this is multiple sclerosis is a disease that is not healing. There's no healing. Um, So when your body kind of tries to send a message to your limbs and to other places of your body, it doesn't go. it's, It's an autoimmune disease, which means that it attacks your own body, attacks your central nervous system. So I thought, oh my goodness, if I don't get any better... What's gonna happen to me if I keep if this keeps happening? So then he said to me, uh, "Let's let's try to get you into um, a medication." So there he said, "But first, I need to truly diagnose you. So I need to have another MRI. You need to have a lumbar puncture. You need to stay here getting your um, um, steroids through through your vein uh, for the whole week." So. Um, so, I was there, and that was my diagnosis. I just thought, oh, jesus what's happening so then when we when we um, when he diagnosed me, he came back and said, "You need to come to my office, and we're going to talk about different drugs and different medications that you can take so because my m s was so severe, they gave me this really um, strong medication that well, he said to me that I had to choose because he can't make choices for me so it was kind of like you need to sign there if you want to take this medication because it's a new medication and this medication is very hard or strong that you're going to have that you have to wear or use a, a medical alert card and, you know, in your pocket with you wherever you go. And um, and the side effect is, is that you can have a brain in, um, infection and you die. Um, and that's the side effect. And it's a new drug. And there's not that many people who had it. Um, so I'm like, thanks. But at the same time, I also didn't want to not have it because my ms so severe that medication you're only allowed to have it if you relapse in two two times over two years and i relapse maybe four times over four months um so i started that medication god really spoke to me and um about you know as a believer as a believer uh there are things that you know um let me just see the scripture because i don't remember it by heart uh in Mark sixteen, seventeen, nineteen, it says, "And these signs will follow the believer: in my name they will cast out demons; they will speak with new tongues; and they will, and they they will take up serpents; and if they drink anything deadly, it will be by, by no means hurt them. They will lay, hand, lay hands on the sick, and they will be healed." And I thought, God, if I drink this, and this is You know poison you said in your word that nothing's gonna happen to me so i'm relying on you so give me the thing so i took this medication i went to the hospital and was there for um for a whole year so i had to go into the hospital and get it um intravenously for a whole year and at the end of the year i was talking to the neurologist I'm 28, I want to have, well, I was probably about 29 by then. I want to have kids, and we've been married for a couple of years, so can I please come out of the medication? And he said, hold on a second. At that, that's, at that time, by then... Uh, things were getting a bit be- better, so my hands and my arm was kind of beginning to, with with uh, therapy and physiotherapy and things. My arm was starting to get better. My eyes were starting to get better, and so I thought, hold on a second, I really want to to have kids. So the neurologist said, no, I just, I think you just need to focus on yourself and getting better, and then if if um if then if I see. That you're doing better then we can talk about it so then by the end of the year I came back to him and I said can we have an MRI because I'm ready I'm ready to stop this medication I'm ready to have kids so we had an MRI done and believe it or not it came back it didn't come back fully clear but all the lesions I had shrunk and the ones There's no new ones. So he said, you know what? I think the medication worked. And he was giving, you know, um, the glory to the medication. I was saying, thank you, Jesus. I knew that you could do it. Um, And I was so happy. And I said, okay, well, since the MRI came this way, can I have kids? Can I come out of the medication? So I came off the medication. And about three months later... I had to wait till three months to clear. And then I felt pregnant really quite quickly after that. And, um, and God just started blessing us. And I just feel like we, we go through things in our lives. We go through struggles in our life for a purpose. There's a reason why. We need to encourage each other. I truly believe that we need to write down these testimonies. To, to actually bless other people. Even if you feel like your testimony and your story isn't as big or isn't as special in your mind. It's going to bless somebody because it tells the love story that God has for us. You know, it tells the love story that he fell in love with us. That he gave, you know, Jesus as, as, his, as our Savior. Um, he gave Jesus is um, a sacrifice for us. So um, can we just close our eyes and let's just pray? Um, I just, and the guys took coming. And and, um, I just, I just thank, I just thank God so much that He didn't give up on me. I thank God so much that He gave me chances after chances after chances and after chances. And I feel like it was first, second, third, fourth, fifth so many chances that he got, that he gave me, and that, um, and I believe that God has something for us today.